G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. So I just sort of looked at these kids who were looking at me and there was a stunned silence and I said, I'm sorry guys, I've got nothing. And I sat down. And, you know, the poor old youth pastor had to sort of get up and bumble along and he was all embarrassed and I was all embarrassed and I just thought, well, that is it. I am done. I'm never going to stand in front of a crowd again. The Story. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, we have a bit of a mixture for you today with some light-hearted, embarrassing moments, along with some serious challenges. Dave Reardon is a talented writer and speaker, and so it's a bit surprising to find out that when he first started out in ministry, he had some rough patches that were a bit comical. Today, he'll share some of these stories and about the remarkable way God came through for him and his wife at the last moment. Dave's having a chat with Eric Scadabo. Sometimes we go through little challenges in life and other times we go through big storms. Well, our guest today faced some little challenges when trying to get into ministry and some big storms once he got there. But we want to focus on the most embarrassing experiences. <laughs> Dave Reardon, <laughs> welcome to the program. G'day. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Did you have a few embarrassing experiences? I've had, I've had some moments. I've okay, had some that's, moments. that's what we want to zero in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Give everyone a laugh at my expense. Good. Well, I just thought, you know, it's, it's so much nicer to hear other people's challenges than our own. Sure. So I'm glad you have a few Tucked up your sleeve yeah, for us to chat about. But seriously, we do have some big storms. I mean, serious experiences you've been through as well. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, uh, before I got into ministry, uh, I was a a journalist and um, used to work for a number of newspapers. And, uh, you know, uh, storms are always those things that, uh, you know, you'd hear the weather report. And if it was a really, really big one, a cyclone, a tornado or whatever, you'd uh, wait for the phone call to come and, and get sent up on assignment up to one of these places. And I remember one time... Um, this was just a regular occurrence for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Several times a year. There'd be, in where I was in Australia, there would be a, a big warning. Well, one time there was a, a cyclone Vance, it was, uh, quite a few years ago now, and it was going to cross over the coast. And normally cyclones uh, sort of peter out as they come across the coast and just dump a lot of rain. But uh, this time it was going to be a big one. It was going to hit a little town called Exmouth. And so they sent me up sort of on the tail end of the cyclone, which was absolutely terrifying. You know, they put us in this little charter plane and my photographer and I, we sort of flew in and just the wings were banging around and I wasn't sure we were going to make it. Anyway, we looked down on this were they town. Were they actually flapping? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, were, they <laughs> would look like they were flapping. They were going up and down. I thought, I don't think wings are meant to do that, <laughs> but they certainly were. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was scary. Anyway, we landed in this town. Did, and, you, uh, did you maybe ask your boss, are you sure we need to cover this one? Uh, didn't matter what I said. <laughs> that, that was my job. Oh, yeah, okay. I was I was right. there to cover crocodile attacks, shark attacks, cyclones, and uh, crazy billionaires who were doing crazy things. That was essentially my job as a reporter. In a sort so of you a just, far flung outpost. Yeah, yeah. The Wild West reporter I was. So uh, we landed in this town, and it had been I think about seventy five percent of the buildings in town had just been destroyed wow. by cyclone Vance, which was a, a Category Five. 
Cyclone, one of the worst since Cyclone Tracy, which is the really famous one uh, many years before. It wiped out Darwin. Anyway, and uh, it was a, it was incredible. We just, you know, you spend the morning kind of picking your way through debris and rubbish and looking for people and looking for people who have survived. And, uh, you know, we found this one lady, Bernice, and uh, well, we went to her house first, actually, and we, this house was um, just shattered. The roof was gone. Mm. Every window was broken. And spoke to one of the neighbours who was in there and they said this elderly woman called Bernice and we were sort of fearing the worst. We said, well, mm. where, where is she? And they pointed us to um, one of the, the shelters. So we went to find Bernice and, and find her story and there she was. She wasn't taking shelter at this place. She was actually handing out blankets and handing oh, out wow. clothes and, and her whole attitude was, well, there's people worse off than me. And I thought, I don't know how that could be. <laughs> you know, and uh, but as we... Asked her a story. She said, oh, yeah, well, the, the, as the roof came off, I, I hid next to the couch and um, I just sung onward Christian soldier. She, she, she told us these hymns, that wonderful old hymns that she'd been singing and, and said, well, if it's my time to go, then it's my time to go. Oh, and, wow. uh, and she lived, of course, and, and not only that, but very quickly within hours was looking for an opportunity to help others who were, in her mind, worse off than her. So it was just one of those little moments in journalism where you go, yeah. this this is a hero. This woman will never preach on a stage as far mm-hmm. as I know. And, yeah. But what a hero. What a hero of the faith. So, But what a perfect picture of the calm in the midst of the storm. Absolutely. Literally. Yeah. Because she had her faith in the Lord. Had her faith, singing the hymns. Roof was flying off, you know, winds in the hundreds of kilometers an hour. Just, just terrifying. And she had that anchor that, yeah. that that just tied her down to what was really important. And uh, and it is, it really is a, a great story of what it is to be a believer because obviously listeners everywhere, you know, there are people going through all sorts of conditions. Yep. There yep. are people who have their own natural disasters that they're living through right now or personal disasters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we life's going along swimmingly and that's fantastic and we enjoy those moments, but often there's clouds Often there's clouds, dark clouds. it feels like the clouds, roof is yeah. going to blow off. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, as we read the Bible, you know, there's there's a reason why the Lord keeps reminding us to, you know, hold on to your faith and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And there's tough times coming. The, the reason is because there's tough times coming. There yeah, always is. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's always something I around I wish somebody had warned me about that earlier in my Christian <laughs> walk yeah, yeah. about the tough times. Well, speaking of tough times, you've had your share We're going to get to some of those, especially the embarrassing ones. (laughs) Uh, Let's find out a little bit about your background. Oh, well, yeah. As I said, I I was a journalist. I studied journalism, marketing at at university in Perth, Western Australia. And I'd really come to faith in university. I'd met some some good people and they'd sort of led me on a bit of a journey. I'd had a bit of a religious background, but um, had never really, the penny had never really dropped. And so it was was an incredible time, really uh, very... uh, yeah, eye-opening to, mm-hmm. to discover that God was very much alive and wanted to be part of my life. And all the while I was studying journalism, I, I got involved in local youth ministry and started helping out there. And uh, Yeah, I understand you had some challenges. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had some big challenges. Sure. We had big <laughs> challenges in, you know, there was just little funny ones along the way as well of, you know, the first time that um, when I was at uni, they, they about three or four weeks in, I have no idea why they did this, but they said, oh, we reckon there's a bit of leadership on your life. And so they said, why don't you become a, 
a life group leader, you know, home group leader. And you really, so you there. you had just become a Christian a few oh, weeks. Absolutely, but they thought you were destined oh, for yeah, leadership. They, oh, they could see it all over me. <laughs> <laughs> what then, happened? Oh, well, I got about twelve minutes into running a life group, and uh, it was supposed to go for an hour, and there was a few young guys there, and I just shut shut the book, shut the Bible, and went, "Okay, lads, that's it." And they said, oh, that's a bit short. Should we meet back next week? I said to them, uh, well, you can come next week. I'm not coming. And <laughs> it wasn't I quit. for you. It wasn't for me. I was a disaster. I was really, I was the worst life group leader ever. And they actually did, to their credit, they did meet next week and someone else took over and they did a much better <laughs> job than I ever did. But that's sort of, uh, you know, so I, I was convinced at that point, no, there's there's no leadership in my life. And got involved in the youth ministry somehow, um, you know, you gave it a go. Gave it a go, yeah. Just, just, well, I wanted to do something, even though if I didn't think that I could. It's probably a good good motto for life, isn't it? <laughs> do something, even if you think you can't. So um was helping out in the youth ministry, sort of became, I guess, second in charge of of the youth ministry, and good things were happening. We were doing a lot of work with Indigenous kids, and it was, uh, it was some really good things happening. And lo and behold, somebody said, would you like to come and speak at our youth group, you know, across town? And that was a big deal because I'd never really had that opportunity before. And so I thought, you beauty, I'll, I'll do this. And um, did all my preparation and turned up. Uh, well, I thought I'd done all my preparation. I turned up to the youth group and there's all these kids looking at me and they introduced me. And this is Dave from down the road and he's doing all these great things and he's going to share around the world. And I said, okay, we'll open up to... Matthew chapter 12, and um, as I open up my Bible to Matthew chapter 12, I thought, no, that's that's the wrong scripture. I must have got there. I was like, okay, well, actually, guys, it's uh, Mark chapter 12, and I flicked over, and no, no, it must be Luke <laughs> chapter 12, and, and then I just sort of rocked on my heels as I realized I had no idea. I had no idea what, and, and I, had, I just didn't have any experience to be able to kind of off the cuff Improvise, Invent, improvise, make something up, just just say something good. So I just sort of looked at these kids who were looking at me and there was a stunned silence and I said, I'm sorry, guys, I've got nothing. And I sat down. <laughs> and, you know, the poor old youth pastor had to sort of get up and bumble along and he was all embarrassed and I was all embarrassed and I just thought, well, that is it. I am done. I'm never going to stand in front of a crowd again. I'm never going to speak again. I, I you know... That elusive verse. Did you ever find the verse? Uh, yeah, could have could have been in. Who knows? <laughs> could have been in the Book of Moses, <laughs> Book of Noah. <laughs> but but yet you persisted. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm nothing if not stubborn. So uh, yeah, so we did persist, and you had nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and all the while we're still working as a journalist, and met and married my wife, and she was a dietitian, and but there came a point where. They said, would you like to come full-time in ministry? And we said, yeah. And then and then the state that we were working for came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, would you like to take over the state? You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with author and speaker Dave Reardon. And he's been kind enough to share with us some of his more embarrassing moments. Next, we'll find out about the time God miraculously came through for him and his wife at the very last minute. That and more when we return. The Story.
If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. You're listening to The Story. Eric Scadabo is continuing his chat with author and speaker Dave Reardon about some of the challenges he's faced in life. Before the break, we heard a few of his light-hearted experiences. Now we turn to a serious challenge that he and his wife went through after he was appointed the leader of a statewide youth ministry. I heard you preach a few weeks ago and you mentioned something about getting an elbow from God. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's just that reminder from God that he's with you. You know, there's the great story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who are in the fire and were thrown in the fire with, without really any expectation that there was going to be anyone in there mm-hmm. with them. But uh, of course, when uh, the authorities looked in there, they saw not three, but four men walking around the fire completely unharmed. And I just think uh, it's a, it's an incredible illustration of the fact that whether we're thrown into a fire, a situation, a storm, something, you know, trouble in life, that God willingly gets into the fire with us. Mm. And and we may not always recognize it. I think often we look at the flames and we look at the yeah. storm or we look at the yeah. rocks on the road and we, we're just naturally, very naturally troubled by those things. And then you feel that little nudge or, as I like to think of it, you know, the elbow of God. The elbow, saying, of God. the elbow of God. Very saying, profound. Oi, I'm here too. I, ju- <laughs> I, I jumped in willingly. You know, I got in here willingly with you. And, um, you know, that's really Psalm 23, isn't it? That, yeah. That wherever yeah. you are, whether it's bubbling brook or the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death yeah. or the banqueting table, that lo, I am with you. Okay. And you had a very big value of life challenge when you were appointed to Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we were role. appointed to this. This role and uh, what an honour it was! And you know, when they tapped me on the shoulder, I was like, "Do, do you know who I am?" Like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> did you hear about the time <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a verse? Yeah, you obviously <laughs> haven't read my resume because it's not particularly <laughs> impressive. But they did. They, they said, "Well, you come over and run this thing." And and uh, you know, we didn't have any money, and the, the ministry didn't have any money, but it had a lot of prestige, I guess, in a mm. sense. And so it was a big deal. It was definitely the biggest thing that we'd ever attempted. And my wife was. I think about eight months pregnant at the time, and mm. um, you know, with our first kid, and so we, oh, wow. you know, life was life was busy, and but we threw ourselves into it, and we were the the first thing, the the place where we were going to be kind of sworn in, I guess, was um, this great statewide event, this camp, and uh, you know, so I did all my research, and 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 it was my job to run this camp, where you know, this was the first thing we have ever had to do, and so. Um, you know, I asked around. They said, okay, well, 700 people come to this camp. We went, right, wow. okay, good. Well, I'll, I'll figure out the budget, $100 a, 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 you know, for the camp, for a four-day camp. And so I did my sums and we booked a venue and booked the speakers and the sound system, the stage and the lights and all those sort of things that, that go. And we, we did it really carefully and, and tried to, tried to because uh, there was no money. Yeah, so we so. just had to, we had to be careful and had to pay for itself and mm-hmm. that was important. And... Um, then we got a couple of weeks out from this camp and uh, I was really excited and I went and had a look at the, the figures and spoke to the people who were taking the registrations and I said, how are we going for numbers? And they said, uh, well, there's about 250 people registered. And I thought, okay, we're a long way off 700. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe they come in late. And uh, another week went by and we're getting pretty close now. And uh, I went and asked the 
people again and I said, yeah, how, how are registrations looking? Lots lots come in. Said, yeah, yeah, lots have come in. We're at, you know, 350 people now. And I thought... Halfway? Yeah, halfway <laughs> with, with a week or so to go. A couple more days went by and it's kind of stuck on about 450 people, which is a great camp. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's excellent. You know, by any wonderful. other standards, yeah. Sure, but when you're looking at $25,000 of, of unpaid expenses, it was quite terrifying. And mm. I... Uh, I phoned up somebody who was in the know and I said, um, listen, when do these 700 people register? And he said, 700? 700? What do you mean? I said, well, the, the 700 people are coming to camp. Yeah, 700 people are coming to camp, but 250 of them come at night for free. <laughs> so the most we've ever had is 450. And, and you're so at that. We're at that. We're, you know, camp's gone well. We're at the highest it's ever been. Uh, and I'm looking at a $25,000 gap and nobody's oh, got the wow. money. And I thought, seriously... I'm going to be sworn in and I'm going to be sacked in, this, in, <laughs> in the one same night. Ceremony. Yeah, the same <laughs> ceremony is going to be sworn in and farewelled in in, a, in the space of about five minutes. And it was absolutely terrifying. And I think that's one of the things in life is, you know, we, we, we spend so much time about what will people say? What are mm. people going to think of me? How? And, you know, I guess because, you know, I, I'm suddenly back standing in front of that youth group without mm. knowing what to say and feeling all those insecurities rise up of, Man, I'm no good at this. I'm 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 terrible at this mm. stuff. And um, but you know, my wife and I we have seen God work at times, and so and it was almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They they said, "Well, if if God saves us, that's awesome. You throw us in the fire because we're not we're not giving up. Uh, but if He doesn't save us, so be it." Mm. And so my wife and I kind of took a look at each other and went down the bank and talked to our bank manager and said, well, um, we need to take a loan, a personal loan from our home loan, $25,000. And the bank manager looked at us and said, great, are you getting a, a lovely new car? And we said, nope, we're buying a camp. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and understanding that- I guess he had never heard that before. No, never heard that before. And, and, and it was scary because we were currently, our, our total wage at that time, our salary at the time was zero. We weren't getting paid by anyone oh wow and so we had a had a baby a month away and and a, and a mortgage on a house and and looking back i go was that naive was that foolish yep it was hmm. but we were just really committed that this thing was not going to end in death we were gonna, look even if it cost us 25 grand we were going to do it and so um you know camp came around and a few more registrations trickled in but really they you know it's a camp it's a four-day camp you've got to order the food and get the beds and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So people, if they haven't registered a week out, they don't register. And we knew that. And so, you know, the time came, it was we were almost ready to start the first service and the 450 people had turned up and had their, their sleeping bags and they were all locked in and ready to go. And I sort of walked out there, there's my eight-and-a-half-month pregnant wife and she's taking the regos and I look over at her and I fake a smile at her and she fakes a smile at me and... <laughs> We're like, well, here we go. You know, it's a, it's it's our house on the line, but but we're going to make sure this is a really good camp. Hmm. And as I'm, I can see it so clearly. I'm standing there and um, I'm looking out on the car park, and then suddenly this this bus just rolls into the car park, and I thought, who's that? Everyone's here already, and the bus pulls right up, and um, this tall fellow by the name of Seth jumps down out of the bus, and he's a youth pastor, and he, he calls out to me, he says, Dave, is it okay if we come to camp? Sorry, we forgot to register, and I. I thought, yeah, no, no worries, mate. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can come to camp. I said, how many kids you got? He says, oh, we got about 50. I thought, that's awesome. That's that's wonderful. You know, it's, and, that, and they all have their money. They all had oh, money to pay. Wonderful. And then um, and no sooner had Seth and his mob 
pulled up, but two more buses pulled up and a guy by the name of Mike jumped off and he says, Dave, I've got two buses worth of kids. So sorry we forgot to register. And understand that this has never happened before and this never happened since. That, that wow. You don't turn up unannounced to a no. four-day camp without no. registry. So I don't know what was going on with these youth pastors, but I was very <laughs> glad for it. Well, the, the amazing thing was over the next sort of 20, 30 minutes, we had about five or six buses roll up completely unannounced and off these buses came 250 kids, yeah. Wow. Which which was exactly the number that we needed to get to 700. So it was the biggest camp we'd ever had by, you know, 30, 40%. Yeah. Our house was safe. That was a, that <laughs> was a big good. deal That's for us. Thing, you know, yeah. about first baby. Our house was safe. And, um, and of course, the camp, you know, 700 young people. It was crazy. Well, well, I was really excited. My wife was really excited. But then it was almost like God sort of shushed us. And he said, wait, I've only just started. And then we went into these camp meetings and, and stuff just started happening in these camp meetings. And there was miracles happening. And, you know, we had, wow. had this, this one guy was all booked in to get his um, knee operated on and had an ACL injury and um, all booked in for the Monday after camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the praise and worship, it came running out the front, which is quite amazing in itself. Yeah. Jumped up, said, my knee's on fire. I just got healed. Did a backflip on the stage. A backflip? A backflip just to prove oh, it. Oh, my goodness. And somebody else ran out. Josh, his name was, and uh, he starts telling me a story. David had 15 warts on my hand, 15 warts. And he's got a twin brother, and his, his, his brother sort of nodded and testified. It was disgusting. <laughs> and uh, 15 warts, and as I'm, as I'm worshiping, my hands are raised. These 15 warts just fell off. His while hand, he was worshiping. While he was worshiping, which is kind of disgusting. <laughs> you know, like imagine being the cleaner, right? <laughs> There's all these warts on the floor. But, you know, and then, and then you know, to sort of finish it off, you know, then, then all these kids just were so generous and they, mm. they gave in the offering and really set up that ministry for, for the next year. And um, people were giving their lives to Christ. And we thought, what a care, what wow. a remarkable thing that almost didn't happen yeah. because we were so worried about what people would think of us. Yeah. And, and in the end, God just came through, not in the way that we expected, but you know, 10 times more than we expected. So... And I guess that's been the story of our life the whole way mm. is that, you know, we keep bumbling and stumbling along, doing our best, trying to keep a, a good heart. And um, God just keeps coming through and yeah. through and through and everything we do. But it just keeps coming back for me to the Psalm 23. You were through the valley of the shadow of death, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, felt with, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you experience from the agony to the ecstasy of uh, wonderful fulfillment and God coming through at the last moment. Yeah. Just like in a movie or something. Yeah. And uh, your cup runneth over. Yeah, our cup runneth over. That's exactly right. And, uh, and you know, that's been our journey the whole way through to, to today where we do what we do today, you know, do writing and doing stuff on the internet and, you know, creating videos. And, and it's just been one of those things where, Wherever our lack is, where wherever we lack and whatever we lack in, it seems that um, God's hand is upon us and, uh, and, and we've been able to kind of pull success out of abject failure. Wow. And then now I introduced you as author, so yeah. you're writing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've written a number of books, uh, Ghost written a bunch of books, but uh, some leadership books, but also uh, really felt challenged a little while ago to write a young adult historical fiction based in Australia dealing with uh, some race issues. And that's been fantastic. It, it, it's uh, in all the bookstores, in secular bookstores, in Christian bookstores. It's called The Deep Enders. Mm-hmm. And um, it's 
It's been optioned for a TV series even, so we'll that see. That would be awesome. Yeah, so it takes a long time to, to make a TV what series. the fact got. that they're looking at it. Well, it's just, it's just nice that people are loving it, and it's, uh, it's, it's gone really, really well. And um, I just really, really, really wanted to write a book where um, the characters – it's not a Christian book at all, but the characters are Christian. And I just thought that was really something that isn't seen in the literary world. Yeah. It's Christianity is often painted as a you know something negative or something sort of archaic. And I just wanted to go. No, this is this is a real positive. And so uh, it was a joy. It took a long time to write, mm-hmm. um, but it was uh, fantastic and uh, and really thrilled with it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your challenges and successes <laughs> yeah. on today's program. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Cheers. Our guest today has been author and speaker Dave Reardon, who was good-natured enough to share some of his more embarrassing moments earlier and some of his successes as well. You can learn more about his historical fictional novel, The Deep Enders, at his website, davereardon.net. That's Dave Reardon, R-E-A-R-D-E-N.net. Also, the Lord has incredibly blessed Dave and his wife, Anne Reardon. Their YouTube channel called How to Cook That has gone viral with millions of viewers all over the world. They have even converted a room in their house into a TV studio to make all their videos. Amazing. Their cup truly runneth over. Once again, their tremendously successful YouTube channel is called How to Cook That. Well, thanks for joining us for Dave's Stories. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I walked into my doctor's office having heard a crazy thing that some small plane, they said, went into the tower. And I was thinking that's crazy because it would be really hard to do. Having been a flight attendant, I know how hard it would be to do. Then another plane went in. And when I went back, people were just freaking out, running around. And somebody was saying, the plane's going into the old executive office building. My boyfriend's there. And they were just losing it. And I was like, wow. And then the Pentagon was hit. We could actually literally hear it and smell the smoke. Lisa Ackers gives a first-hand account of the trauma she and others went through during the September 11 terrorist attacks in the United States. She'll also share how she came to Australia and how God has been working in her life next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.